0: and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal came uh, pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith.
1: May the Lord's name be honored and exalted amidst us this morning. It's my joy and privilege to join you all in worshipping the Lord this morning. And uh, I thank the Lord for this assembly, for the way in which the Lord has been using this place, this gathering, to bless the lives of many young people. And uh, thank you also for the invitation that uh, the assembly extended to me uh, and also giving me this privilege to share from God's word. One of the things that uh, came to my mind as uh, we opened our worship session this morning the brevity of life. Sometimes we don't realize that. Although we know it, we don't realize it. Our life on this earth is very, very short. And uh, that songwriter has beautifully captured that it's just a moment. Now, some of us, we may outlive others. We may live longer lives than others. Maybe 80s or 90s or hundred or even beyond that. But then when we compare our life on this earth with eternity that we will possess, this is very, very short. Not even a speck. And one of the analogies that uh, New Testament writers have used about this shortness or brevity of life is we are all like pilgrims, sojourners. We travel towards that eternal city. Now this being the case, I think it is very important for all of us to ask ourselves very often how best can we live this short Pilgrim life. How best can we use our short pilgrim life on this earth? Now this is a question I believe that all of us, irrespective of our ages, irrespective of what we are doing right now with our livelihood, we need to keep asking ourselves, okay, one more day in my life is over, I'm getting closer and closer, and then how best can I live this short life? Now, this is how I believe. The best way to live a short, earthly, pilgrim-like life is to become a channel of blessing to other people. Now, I don't think there is any other better way to spend this short life. Becoming a channel of blessing wherever God has placed us, wherever God takes us, now there are different ways that we can be blessing to others. We can be a blessing to other people's lives through our words, God-given gifts. Now, when God called out to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, He made it very clear, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to give you a great nation. But then remember, it is all for this one cause that in you, all the families of the world will be blessed. And I do believe the main essence of our Christian life is all about this one thing. Blessed by the Lord to be a blessing to other people. And this morning, We will look at the life of Philip the Evangelist, about whom we read in the book of Acts, how this man became a channel of blessing wherever he went. And I'm sure that Philip is not a a stranger, not an unfamiliar character to many of us who read the scripture. And I do believe there are a lot of lessons to learn from this man's life. So the first time we read about Philip in the Bible is in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6. He's now part of a very vibrant church. An amazing church phenomenon that's happening in the first century. Now at the same time we also know as his name suggests, Philip was not somebody who was born and brought up in Jerusalem. Perhaps he was a Hellenistic Greek speaking person. One of those who belongs to that Jewish diaspora, born and brought brought up outside the territories of Jerusalem. Now, how did he end up in Jerusalem? In Acts chapter 2 verse 5, the scripture tells us that there were many devout people, devout Jewish people, who had come to Jerusalem during that time from all over the world in order to celebrate the festival called Pentecost. Now, Philip could have been one of those devout men who had gone there faithfully to be fulfilling his religious responsibilities. But something amazing happened there. This man had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ as that was proclaimed through the apostles in a very mighty way. And then uh, Philip perhaps stayed with the apostles, as part of this amazing, vibrant, early Christian community. Perhaps he didn't even feel like going back to his native place. He rather stayed with the apostles and others as part of this growing church. That's the picture that we get about Philip as we read uh, the the, the introductory words in Acts chapter 6. Now as we all know, amazing things were happening in Jerusalem. The church was expanding; hundreds and hundreds of people were being added to the church almost daily. Healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. And when I read the uh, the book of Acts, now sometimes now I try to put myself in that context just to get the feel. What would have been, and what would have been that experience? Amazing things are happening. Spectacular things are happening. Almost every day there's something dramatic. And Christian life, I'm sure, it was not something that will be described as boredom. The church was expecting something to happen almost on a daily basis. And God was doing amazing things among them. Now in Acts chapter 6, the scripture also tells us, as the church was growing... As the number of disciples was increasing, there arose a need in the early church. Remember, my dear brothers and sisters, the early church was a very caring community. Those who had plenty were willing to sell off and then uh, give it to the apostles so that it can be used in order to meet the needs of those who did not have. A very caring community. And the church had this free food distribution program. And then the the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 6, in the first few verses, what was the issue. There arose a problem or a crisis. And I want to put this word into that context here. There arose a need in the early church. In the free food distribution program, some of the Greek widows, they felt they were being overlooked. Perhaps it was an administrative issue. Rather than being a moral issue that these guys were intentionally neglected, the scripture uses the word, they were overlooked. So perhaps it was an administrative issue. But then it was certainly a need that arose in the early church. And the apostles thought, that this need has to be addressed. And then as they thought about it, they called all the congregation, members of the congregation, and they proposed this. They said, uh, we cannot now give time for this work because we want to continue in the ministry of praying and preaching the gospel, and we want to give leadership to the church. And they came out with this proposal. They said, why don't you select Seven people among you. But the apostles set the criteria clearly. They said, when you look for people among you, see to that, you choose men who are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. Men who have knowledge how to handle it and also people who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to just imagine this in your mind. Now hundreds and thousands of people, how on earth will you select seven among them? You know what is so amazing here? After a while, the congregation chose among themselves seven of them unanimously. Unanimously. That talks volumes about the unity of the early church. How they were spirit controlled. And there you see All these seven people handed over to the apostles and they in fact appointed them as deacons. In that list of seven people, the second name that comes up is the name of Philip who later is popularly called as Philip the Evangelist. Now, this is what is given in the scripture. These people were chosen and they were presented To the apostles. But I want to use a bit of imagination here. I want you to really. Try to figure out. How this would have happened. Now hundreds and thousands of people. And Philip is one among them. Perhaps some of the elders. Some of the senior people in the assembly. In the church. As they were involved in the search party. Of finding seven people. And I am sure when they looked at those potential people they found philip as one of those young people a man who could be trusted with this job a man who was full of wisdom spiritual spiritually mature somebody whom they thought is trustworthy a man of integrity and i'm just imagining so some of them would have come to philip and said philip you all know that there is a need in the church. Philip, you all know how the apostles are concerned about this. Philip, you know we have been praying about this. Now here is a need and we find you are one of those people who can now step in and be helpful. What do you say, Philip? I'm just using a bit of imagination here. What do you say, Philip? And I do believe Philip considered it and finally he stepped in and said, I am willing to give my hand. Now, you know why I am saying this? In the early church, the position of a deacon was not a paid position. It was something voluntary. Almost every kind of ministry that was in the early church was voluntary. And what else? Now, if you look at the kind of need and the task that was required, imagine that in your mind, he was not called to be involved in a glamorous work, something spectacular that would probably give him name and reputation and also recognition and honor. Philip was now being called in order to serve the tables. My dear brothers and sisters, It is in this context, for the first time in the New Testament, we read the word deacon. Somebody who is called to serve or to minister. So Philip, when he was approached by the congregation, there is a need among us, Philip, would you like to volunteer yourself? And Philip considered it and finally said, yes, I would like to be part of this. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, in verse 7, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. You know why? As Philip and the remaining others, six of them, as they stepped in to fill this need, the overall church was progressing. They played a very small role in God's kingdom and now you look at how that small involvement helped the entire church to progress greatly. Now This morning as we look at this context here, I would like to place a question for us to think over. How do we respond to kingdom needs around us? How do we respond when God brings before us a need in his mission, a need in his kingdom? It could be in the local church, it could be in our neighborhood, it could be elsewhere. But when God brings us face to face with a need, how do we respond to that? We can be indifferent. We can be saying to ourselves, I don't want to do anything with that. I'm already involved in something. I don't have anything to do with it. But how do you respond to God's kingdom needs? This morning I want you to think, has the Lord been bringing into your life a need again and again? Has the Lord been opening up your eyes, your ears to see and hear something that he wants to do with your life. And how are you responding to that? It's one of the questions that we can all ask ourselves. Now, sometimes you no, know, we have this weird notion about God's call upon our lives. Sometimes you no, know, we all may wait for something supernatural to happen a supernatural, dramatic revelation to come from God so that we understand that God is calling us to do something for Him. Of course, it happens. There are instances where the Lord dramatically revealed Himself. Like in the case of Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. But more often, my dear brothers and sisters, let me say, God just comes to us and exposes a need in front of us. If we look at the life of Nehemiah. We don't see anywhere in the scripture. That Nehemiah was taken by God. And then God, in a very supernaturally. In a supernatural revelation. God picked up on him and said. I want you to leave everything. And go to the city of Jerusalem. We don't read like that anywhere. Rather Nehemiah. Was somebody to whom God exposed a need. In Jerusalem, the walls around the city are still in ruins. And here is a man who is concerned about it. Every time when somebody returns from Jerusalem, he goes over to them in order to find out what's happening in Jerusalem. A man whose heart was always interested in knowing what's happening in God's kingdom. My dear brothers and sisters, Sometimes all of us can be so engrossed with our own lives, with our own livelihood, with our own whatever we do with our lives, we forget the fact that God is exposing sometimes some needs in his kingdom to us. You know what Nehemiah did about it? That's really interesting. Something very wise. I'm not saying that Every need that you see, you need to plunge yourself into it. I'm not saying that you should grab every opportunity that comes your way. That will be unwise. But then if you look at Nehemiah, he prayed over it. It took time to think over it. For almost four months, it was there in his heart. He prayed over it. And finally, the Lord gave him that conviction. For this need, you are the man. In order to fulfill this need, you are the man. And thereby, when we come to the end of chapter 1 in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is offering himself to the Lord. Lord, if it is your will, when I stand before the king to seek permission for me to go over to Jerusalem, show mercy. My dear brothers and sisters, how do we respond to kingdom needs? around us. Bob was a young preacher. Aged 33. In 1947, he was called to China in order to conduct evangelistic rallies as part of Youth for Christ team. As a young man, he went around preached at several campaigns in China. He had the privilege of leading hundreds of people to the saving knowledge. But during the process... Bob was also exposed to widespread hunger, utter poverty in many parts of China. Before he left China, back to the US, he had this very dramatic event. One of the Catholic uh, teachers, a a teacher who was working in a Catholic institute. She came forward and with her, there was a little girl, a battered little girl. And keeping her in front of this young preacher, she said, now she has no home of her own. She has been thrown out of her house and she is now in the street and I have been taking care of this little child. You as a preacher, what can you do for this little girl? Totally unexpected. This man thought about it it for a moment and then as he slipped his hand to, to his pockets, He found a $5 bill, took it out, entrusted that $5 bill into the hands of that teacher and said, this is all that I have right now, but I'll go back and every month I'll give $5 for you to take care of this child. But this young preacher, as he came back from China, as he was traveling back from China, he just could not put aside what he saw. All over China. Hundreds and hundreds of people. In utter poverty. Not even able to afford one meal. And then as he, as he thought about it. History says that he wrote at the back of the Bible. These amazing words. Very thought provocative words. He wrote these words. He said. Let my heart be broken. By the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken. By the things that break the heart of God. You know what God did through this man who was concerned, Bob Pierce. He became the founder of one of the largest relief organizations in the world today, World Vision. One man's response to a need in God's kingdom. We have this World Vision organization all over the world. And it all emerged out of one man responding to something that the Lord showed in front of him. Now I am not saying that all of, us will be, all of us will be called in order to do something so big or so amazing. But all of us can. But all of us can. If we have a heart and mind to respond to God's need, all of us can do a small part in building his kingdom. Moving on, my dear brothers and sisters, the next time we read about Philip in the Bible... Is in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 to 8. Now, Philip is now in the city of Samaria. Now, how did Philip end up in Samaria? That's again a very interesting story. Now, as I said, the church in Jerusalem was flourishing. Imagine, imagine you are being part of an, a church where you no know, You need to keep on expanding the church walls. Because every Sunday morning you have what? Hundreds of newcomers. Amazing things are happening. A flourishing sender. Christian sender. But you know what my dear brothers and sisters? It wasn't God's ultimate plan that all his children would or should stay back in this great city. Called Jerusalem to build a mega church, a Christian version of Tower of Babel, to have that rejoicing, Christian warmth, fellowship. It wasn't God's ultimate plan. The risen Lord in Acts chapter one, verse eight, He made it very clear to the apostles and other disciples: "You shall receive power." and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. For some time, the apostles were enjoying that beautiful moments in the city of Jerusalem. Can you imagine what would have happened? Can you imagine what would have happened during those days? You have all the stalwarts there. All the preachers, the best, they're all there. All that amazing worship leaders or whatever you call, all of them are there in Jerusalem. All all ministry activities, you have social outreach, you have holistic kind of ministry, everything is happening in Jerusalem. You know what? It was in God's ultimate plan. And this is how I want to put it across to you. When we do not understand and accept Acts chapter 1 8, God in His sovereignty will orchestrate Acts chapter 8.1. I'll say that again. When we are not willingly accepting God's commission that's given to us in Acts chapter 1-8, God in his sovereignty will orchestrate Acts chapter 8.1 we all know what happened in the early history now one of the things that really inspires me a lot is and I want you to get this in the right spirit whether you are going to get involved in God's kingdom or not he will complete it (laughs) whether we are willing to offer ourselves to play a role in his kingdom on his mission or not He will complete it. You know what's the picture that we have in the book of Revelation? From every nation, from every tribe, from every language, a great multitude that cannot be counted by anyone, worshipping him, bowing before him, acknowledging him, is the Lord of all lords. Whether we join with him or not, he will complete it. So in the early church, when they were not willing to move out, God orchestrated things in their lives so that they were now forced to move out of Jerusalem. The scripture says, except the apostles. Now that's a very interesting note. Now I do believe it was not only the apostles, the 12 who stayed back in Jerusalem, all those Jewish Christians were born and brought up in Jerusalem. The Hellenistic Jews the men who had come from different parts of the world and had become part of this early church, they were now forced to move out of Jerusalem. And as they spread out, very interestingly, Philip chose the city of Samaria. It was a conscious choice. Philip could have gone anywhere in the world, but Philip went to the city of Samaria. Turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. A very conscious choice. He went down to the city of Samaria and preached to those people who lived there. Now I'm sure that we all know what kind of relationship existed between the Jewish people And the Samaritans. We all know that. For a religious Jew, the Samaritans were almost like untouchables. For the religious Jews, the Samaritan, the place called Samaria was a don't go zone. Wherever you go, don't get closer to the city of Samaria. That was the times here is this man called Philip who crosses that barrier who crosses that barrier consciously he is now moving out of this Jewish culture into the Samaritan culture a culture that was considered inferior by the Jewish people he takes the mantle upon himself if nobody is willing to go to Samaria let me go Let me be the person who breaks that barrier, who crosses that barrier for taking the gospel among the people over there. That was Philip. Let me go to Samaria. Now, dear brothers and sisters, mind you, even the apostles were not prepared for this. God had to do Something so supernatural to impress upon Simon Peter in Acts chapter 10 before he is taken to house of a Gentile. Even the apostles are not prepared for what was about to happen. But here, this man is taking initiative. He's taking that initiative to cross that barrier. To a place where nobody would go. To be in among a people group where nobody would like to be. That's amazing about Philip. That's amazing about Philip. This morning I also want to ask you this question. Like Philip, are we willing to cross certain barriers? You know what? In Acts chapter 6 we see Philip became a channel of blessing to the Jewish people in Jerusalem to the apostles, to the widows who were catered by his ministry. He was a channel of blessing to them. Now you know what's happening? In the city of Samaria back in Jerusalem he was just a deacon. A man who served the tables. But you know what's happening in Acts chapter 8? This man is mightily used by God and he does all that the apostles did back in Jerusalem. He now became an instrument, a mighty instrument in God's hand. He went around preaching the gospel. Amazing miracles were happening in and through the ministry of Philip. Signs and wonders, healings, the demons being driven out. All that is happening in the city of Samaria. You know what? Very interesting. Acts chapter 8 verse 8 says, Acts chapter eight, uh, eight verse eight, and there was great joy in that city. What a statement. And there was great joy in that city, because of whom? Philip. There's an organization called New Tribes Mission it's a It's a mission agency that works or sends or trains people for cross-cultural missions, especially among tribes. And uh, one of the missionary couples who were sent by this group, they were from the U.S. And uh, by the time they realized God's call upon their life, they were already in their uh, late 30s. So many of them said, if you go to a unreached people group, a tribal people group, it will be difficult for you to get adjusted. It will not be easy for you to learn the language. It will not be easy to adjust yourself with that culture at this age. But they persisted. They went around. And finally, they new tribe's mission, that agency was willing to send them. After all their training, they went to this people group in Papua. And uh, it's a contrast my dear brothers it's a contrast in the sense contrast at every aspect white people pitch dark civilized totally barbaric and finally this, this couple they stayed at a the place they learned their language and they grappled with the issue how do you pass on the gospel to them where do you start now how do you progress they started with the Bible stories. One village people, they got excited and every day they came and sat in order to listen to this missionary talking about Bible story and slowly over a period of five or six months, this missionary couple, when they finally talked about Jesus and how he died on the cross in order to deliver them out of their fear, guilt and everything, you know what happened? That entire tribal group they have reenacted that scene it's available on youtube get a chance you watch that it's called as etau the meaning of the word etau is truth finally when the truth was revealed to them you know what history tells us for almost 3 hours they were hugging each other running around expressing their joy for almost 3 hours they were running around They burst into joy and the missionaries could not understand what is happening. You know what? One of few people willing to cross the boundaries so that others also receive this great joy. I see a lot of young people here. What's your life's greatest ambition? What's your life's greatest ambition? You've been thinking about this short life. I tell you, there's nothing, more, there's nothing more great than becoming channels of joy into other people's lives. Philip was one such person. Moving on. The next time we see Philip in the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 26. Would somebody help me with uh, reading the verse? Acts chapter 8 verse 26 and 27. Okay, thank you. Because this story, this passage is familiar to us. I'm not uh, taking time to read the entire passage. So we know what is there. Now imagine this in your mind. You're actively involved in something amazing. Philip was having a flourishing ministry in Samaria. Great revival. Hundreds of people. He's in the midst of hundreds of people. Amazing things are happening in Samaria. Right in the middle of all that, one day the angel of the Lord appeared to Philip and said, Philip, it's time for you to pack up. You know what? When I read through this passage, as a minister of God, I was just trying to visualize what all excuses I could have given to the Lord. Lord, you're the one who brought me here. You are the one who brought me here. Lord, I've been just an instrument in your hand, and you are doing amazing things through me here. Is this true that you're calling me again from this place? No, we all think of up- upward mobility, right? Yes, we all think of upward mobility. Okay, Jerusalem he was a deacon. Okay, now he's almost mimicking like an apostle in Samaria. Okay, what next comes? We all think in terms of what? Upward mobility. Even in ministry. Okay, I am being used for 10 people. Next I am being used for what? 100 people and then I will be used for what? 1000 people? One day the angel of the Lord came and said to Philip, it's time for you to pack up. Wind up your ministry here. And God took him to a desert. A road that, went from Gaza, Jerusalem to Gaza. You know for what? To meet with one man who needed the gospel. You know this Ethiopian story. He was somebody who was searching for the truth. A God-fearer who had come to Jerusalem. Even after he had come to Jerusalem, somehow he missed the real truth over there. But God was concerned about this one man. God now sends Philip to speak to him, explain the truth so that that man would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. The Bible doesn't talk about this Ethiopian after this. If you go and spend some time in history, it's very, very interesting. The first nation, the first Gentile nation to receive the light of the gospel was this land called Ethiopia. Ethiopia. And perhaps it was through this Ethiopian eunuch who had come to the saving knowledge. Can you imagine what is happening now in the life of Philip? The man who was used in, among the Jewish people, now being used among the Samaritans, and God in his sovereignty, now also uses him in order to reach to a Gentile. And look at this one verse, very interesting. Chapter 8, verse 37. Chapter, sorry, chapter 8, verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way. What is the word there? Rejoicing. Never ever underestimate the simple ministries the simple involvement that God gives us in his kingdom. Because we may never ever know. One of the things you know that always inspires me is like, I mean, sometimes you know, we try to quantify and measure our work, right? Through numbers and all that. But, who knows? It may be one person whom we led him or led her to the Lord. But who knows? Sometimes we may not even have the time To know what happened to that person or how God used that person. That's why I very strongly believe one of those surprises when we stand on the other side would be people who would come and say brother do you realize? Do you realize that you took time to share the gospel with me? Do you realize that you took your time to come away and meet with me in my time of need? Philip was one such person. Now the question I want to place before us this morning as we look at this context in Philip's life is are we flexible? Are we really flexible? Flexible to the Lord to move us around. You know what is our default nature? You know what is our default nature? To settle down. That's our default nature. You want to quickly earn, quickly settle down. But you know what? This goes against our default nature. Now, to be flexible before God. I'm not saying that everybody should go around all the time. That's not the point. Sometimes we may be going around because of our own what? Indecisive nature or because of our own temperamental weaknesses. But here we're talking about a clear-cut leading of the Lord. Are we willing to be flexible before Him? Now one of those songs, I don't know how many of us will really have the guts to honestly sing this song. And the song goes like this. Shepherd of my soul, I give you full control. Wherever you may lead, I will follow. I have made a choice to listen to your voice. Wherever you may lead, I will go. Can we sing this song almost every day in our lives? That's very risky. It's almost like a gamble, right? You know what's happening with the demonetization gamble going on, right? This is life's gamble. Every day telling the Lord, Lord, you are the shepherd of my soul and I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. Recently I met a a brother who has been working as a missionary in Nepal for about 15 years, Benicharian. And then now he has established the ministry over there. Many congregations have been formed. And now, the Lord has asked him to move away from that place to another country, Cambodia. And he and his wife are preparing themselves to be there. Flexibility. Now, other thing I want to remind you is, mission is not ours. Ministry is not ours. If mission and ministry is ours, then we have what? A say in all that. Where we should be, what we should be doing, since ministry is his. since mission is his. All that God requires from us is availability and flexibility. He became, Philip became a channel of blessing to this Ethiopian eunuch and in turn to this country called Ethiopia. And finally let me conclude. The last time we read about Philip is in the book of Acts chapter 21. Look at that verse and we'll conclude. Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21 verse 8 to 10. Would somebody help me with that? Acts 21 verses 8 to 10. Okay this account that we have in the 21st chapter happened in Philip's life after several several years from the last time we see in the book of acts but still what do we see there a man with his family based in Caesarea we don't know what age was he then he and his family still they were a channel of blessing to those who were around them. When Paul and his traveling companions, as when they went from one place to another during their missionary journey, they came across this Philip, the same Philip of Acts chapter 6, of Acts chapter 8, now residing in Caesarea. And his four daughters, they were prophesying. Nothing is said about his wife, but I do believe. Together, they were able to raise a godly family. Not only he, but along with his family, they were now serving the Lord together. What a blessing. Now, this is pilgrim life, as I said. Some of us know, we may be born in Kerala, brought up elsewhere, studied in some other place, working in some other place. For a few years, then we, move, we, we, we are moved to another place. It's a pilgrim journey. Worse say it's a pilgrim journey. But what matters is, wherever the Lord takes us, if we are able to consistently be a channel of blessing, be people who would radiate, would pass on the joy into the lives of other people, Now, I do believe we have finished our short earthly life very well. There are moments in our lives Where this comes to us very powerfully. Life goes very ordinarily. You may be building castles in our dreams and desires, ambitions, and all that. And sometimes God can bring it so powerfully. And let me conclude with one person whose life was totally jolted out when he realized this simple truth. That we have just one short life and the best way to spend this life is to bless other people. Henry Martin, a Cambridge scholar. A Cambridge scholar. And you know what it takes to be somebody who studies at Cambridge. He was also the senior wrangler of his time. In Cambridge, they have this mathematical competition and then if if somebody is able to solve that, he'll be crowned as the senior wrangler. Here is Henry Martin, who had so much of ability. And at a very young age, and this man, after his graduation, he held on to his degrees. And this man, at that moment, as a jolt from God's heavy hand, through one of his mentors, Charles Simeon, he came to realize, Henry Martin came to realize, that I have wasted my life hitherto. And I don't want to happen that anymore in my life. The exact words of Henry Martin are this, I have hitherto lived a life to little purpose, more like a lump of dirt than a servant of God. Now let me burn out for God. Now let me burn out for God. You know what happened with his life? He left all his prospects, came to India as a chaplain, worked for a very short time, four years. By then tirelessly, he, he worked on the translations of the New Testament, both into Urdu and Hindustani language, completed the project, Asked the Lord to lead him further. God took him to Persia. And his desire was to revise the Persian translation. And his greatest desire was before I die, I want to hand over this revised Persian translation into the hands of the Sultan of Persia. A man who worked tirelessly. There were many people who said if you work like this, you will burn out yourself. But he didn't he never minded he never thought about it. He worked, he worked, he worked tirelessly. He once said, Until the Lord's work for me is done, I will not die. You know what history tells us? Few days after he had completed that project, he fell sick and in an alien land. This young man's life was cut short. He was buried there. And on the tomb are those words written there this young man in his prime life gave it all to god it's not about how long we live his life was cut short when he was 31 just 31 and before that he had done all that the lord wanted him to do my dear young brothers and sisters now this is sometimes you no know, it has become a cliche But still I want to impress upon you that one phrase. You just have one life. One short life. You may build bubbles. You may build castles. And one day whether you like it or not, it will all crash down. I want to ask you, what is that you want to do with your life? May the Lord give you the grace to think about it. Think about it. Ponder over it. And I'm sure the Lord would guide you. He is sovereign. And I really enjoyed some of the songs that we sang today. A God who reigns in majesty. We are a moment, but he is what? He's what? Forever. Now, how can we use this one moment to glorify the one who lives forever? Through our life. May God help us as we meditate upon these words. May his name be glorified.